welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. The new year is a very good time to ensure that we've got good foundations for our lives. And we like to do a series of teaching in January and February along these lines. Sometimes we're focused on prayer or reading the Bible. And and this year we're just going to revisit our mission statement and unpack that, which is reaching up to worship God. So we talked throughout January about the whole concept of devotion and connection and worship to God. And then we also talk about reaching out with the good news of Jesus. And in February, we've got uh, two guests coming. We've got uh, Compassion Representative David Bean coming to talk about the work of Compassion. And many of us have already got sponsored children in Compassion. And at the end of February, um, we've got uh, Bob Mendelson, who is um, the head of Jews for Jesus. And he's going to talk about Messianic Jews and what it is to be a Jew. And then in March, we'll unpack that whole area of the relationship between Israel and the church. Um, And so that'll be interesting. And then, of course, I'm getting ahead of myself because we also want to talk about, so we're reaching up, worship God, reaching out with the good news of Jesus, evangelism, and also reaching in with fellowship, with love, with discipleship. And we'll talk about that. Um, It's also a good time at the beginning of the year to uh, leave some stuff behind and look forward to the future. Hudson preached a great message last year, last week, (laughs) same thing, last service of last year, about letting stuff go. And and so today we're launching and looking uh, into the new year. Uh, And so um, without exaggerating, I'm going to give you the number one key that you need to live a great life in 2021. All right? That is no exaggeration. Let us look at the... um, passage that we find in the book of Philippians chapter 3 verse 5 I'm going to read from the NLT New Living Translation and this is Paul the apostle writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that only me or have you got the welcome screen okay so we're just challenging thank you I kind of like the challenge there okay that's easier Paul says I was circumcised when I was eight days old good Jewish man that's what they did I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because... Of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, 
through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. What a fantastic passage. You know, Paul had uh, really changed his priorities and his passions and pursuits in life because, you know, as a well-known, successful Pharisee, he had previously focused on achievements and recognition of those achievements. And now he's had an encounter with Jesus and he's done a complete turnaround. So as this passage reflects, he's got a whole new outlook on life. There's this radical change in his worldview, his attitude, his whole you know, approach to life. And all the more radical... Uh, because of the type of person that Paul was. Because when you read through the New Testament, which he wrote two-thirds of, you get to see his personality and coming through. He was a real classic type A leader. Uh, he, had, he had prioritized human accomplishments, as I said, but now he was pursuing divinely-led relationships and, most importantly, the, his relationship with God. And uh, notice again, verse 8, this priority is so clearly revealed because he says, everything else is just worthless compared simply to knowing Jesus personally as his Lord. Just this personal heart connection. So this is really good news for type A people, for, you know, task-oriented people. There's hope for us (laughs) because I... uh, I happen to be one of those people. You know, in our staff meeting every week, we uh, go through a number of different things, uh, but we always finish with something positive. Uh, so rather than getting bogged down into the, you know, hassles or nitty-gritty of admin or something, we reflect on the Sunday service, and Ruth leads this well because she's done it in our family home over dinner for years. You know, what's your favourite thing? Favourite thing from Sunday? And so, uh, you know, after Christmas... Uh, it was easy because we had some wonderful services, especially Christmas Day. You know, we had that lovely 9am service. And so um, the people were going around the room saying, oh, my favourite thing was the wonderful carols and the anointing and the performances and all that. And when it got to me, I said, well, I was just so thankful we finished exactly on time because we had 30 seconds left, literally, uh, before 10 o'clock. And we always promised to finish within an hour so people can go and have lunch. And they all look at me awkwardly and I laugh it off. (laughs) Only joking, no, the carols. But secretly I'm thinking, no, it really was finishing on time. You know, like, I mean, okay, the carols are great, God, but I just love the fact that, you know, when we say we finish at 10, I looked at my watch, it was like 9.59, 30, 8.39. Yes. Anyway, so, yeah, okay, I apologise, you know, all right. Um, So I'm pretty task-oriented. But even I know there are more... Important things, not many, uh, but there are some more important things than being punctual and being on time, such as relationships. You're pleased to know. You'll be pleased to know as, as a pastor. I've learned that. Um, and so I've come to appreciate that, that building relationships, uh, cultivating, uh, enjoying relationships is the deepest, most enriching aspect of life. And as Christians... Uh, it would be good if we all got on board with that because especially our relationship with God, uh, it should be our number one priority in life. But I've noticed over the years, sadly, that that's not always the case. Um, 
in fact, in terms of a relationship with God, I did some thinking, and I don't like to categorise people, but I will, um, because there's pretty much six kinds of people in the world, okay? The first one uh, is the atheist, and they're a long way from having a relationship with God, and that's the way they want it. And they say, look, I believe there is no God. But notice the catch there, the, the key word is belief, because it's a belief, which is ironic because it's a belief system to say, I know or I believe there is no God. You can't prove there isn't a God. So it's a really a faith position, which, you know, I always think is kind of ironic. So then secondly, there's agnostics who people who say, well, look, I can't prove there isn't a God. I don't know if there's a God. Maybe there is, you know, and a lot of Aussies are in this boat because they might say, oh, look, you know, I guess there's someone or something, the big fella upstairs maybe, you know. And so I think a lot of people who say they're atheists are, probably agnostic they don't really know for sure and uh, they're you know hopefully open to the concept that there is a God and that's a good place to start with in witnessing and praying for people Uh, and then thirdly there's the seeker so this is someone who is aware of the spiritual dimension to life they recognize that yeah life is more than just flesh and blood and material things and existence and you know realize something's going on and these people are great to witness to um, if they're genuine um, in their pursuit of spiritual things and truth because if they're on that genuine quest for truth they'll discover Jesus who is the way the truth and the life and so we can pray for them that's great too so then you get number four to the basic Christian so this is someone who has discovered Jesus and they've made some kind of connection or commitment to Jesus but it's a rather shallow level of relationship and commitment in fact it may not even be considered a relationship they may just give mental assent to the claims of Christ and the concept of the gospel and they're not really activating or engaging their heart in terms of a relationship with God and so God's very gracious I think there's going to be plenty of people that just scrape their way into heaven uh, because of God's grace and they had this you know kind of basic belief in Jesus but no vibrant real fresh ongoing relationship and sadly there's quite a few Christians in that boat category Um, and then fifthly you've got what I'd call the busy Christian which is someone who is actively serving God, which is good. Uh, But again, there isn't the relationship that they're really called to. Um, And for some people, this is as deep as they ever got, right from the word go. And sadly for others, they may have actually been really close to God in a relationship sense. They might have started out with passion, but over time that passion's just settled and gone by the wayside and now that's it might be laziness or busyness or distractions from the world or for whatever reason there's now this lack of relationship lack of intimacy of really walking with God and and of course as I said they may be quite busy they might be in church they might be rostered and doing things for God uh, but they're a long way from where God wants them and I really believe Paul was aware of this temptation that could have occurred to him being a type A kind of choleric task oriented person I think there's a tendency if you're not careful to just do business with God and get on with things and uh, your prayer life can be just a bit of a you know meeting agenda 
Uh, and uh, it's gone very quiet in here, but I reckon there's a few people that might relate to what I'm saying uh, uh, because I certainly could um, have been tempted uh, to, to be in that sort of category. But Paul was determined to get to the next level uh, where we all should aim to be, and this would be what I call a Christian who has a ever-deepening relationship with God that is never going to end, that is going to go right on into heaven and our life is defined and directed by nothing else but God himself and our relationship with him. This is a person who longs to know the Lord more and more, whose soul is not satisfied with anything that the world offers, not even other relationships. Deep inside, they're not being codependent, as they say. They're not leaning too heavily on any other person or certainly not any other thing but God himself. And so they want to be in close communion with their heavenly Father, with their Lord Jesus and with the Holy Spirit who's speaking to them and they're listening as they go through life, listening to his leading and his voice. And so this person learns to love the presence of God. They're aware of his presence. They're hungry for his presence. They carry his presence. And, of course, they look to encounter God in life. And that's a word God really put in my heart the end of last year, thinking of this year, sense of encounter. I want to encourage us all to have personal encounters with God. And, in fact, we'll set up some nights throughout the year uh, as long as we can. Uh, We're looking to meet and have some encounter services for want of a better word just services where we're praying worshiping prophesying uh, providing an a, a platform an atmosphere for us all to encounter God to be in his presence to come close to him and um, and so this is where Paul kept his heart kept his focus kept his direction in life beyond all the demands that he had to do stuff for God he just wanted to be with God and be close to him. And then everything else flows out of that. And so this kind of person is praying, not just because there's stuff to be done or to be organised or requests to be made. They just want to be with the Lord. They just want to enjoy his company. They just want to build that relationship. And so we are all called to live this kind of life. And, and when I talk about encountering God, you know it doesn't have to be spectacular. And it certainly doesn't have to be weird or strangely spiritual. It can be theologically sound. And speaking of which, speaking of theology, I picked up some light summer reading uh, recently, a big theology book by a guy called J. Rodman Williams. And in it, he systematically goes through different Christian beliefs about the world and ourselves and God. And uh, and he starts with God uh, and he points out three things. He says, well, firstly, God is alive. Good to know. God is spirit and also God is personal. And he makes his point with very good analysis and argument and backing. And it's worth stopping to think that, yeah, that didn't have to be the way it was or that God doesn't have to reveal himself so personally as he has. But if we think about it, we realise, yeah, God isn't just a force. He's not just a distant kind of impersonal figure who's unable or unwilling to connect to human beings, but he's our heavenly father. He's revealed himself through Jesus, very personal way. And he invites us into this relationship that 
is on offer. And this guy, um, Williams, this theologian, says this, God is personal in that he is shown to be one who enters into personal relations with people. He has communion with human beings from the day of man's creation. His speech to people is that of an I, not an it. He enters into covenant with people, treating them as his partners. And in all such relationships, God is altogether the personal God. Hence, any view of God that sees him as an impersonal idea or an absolute beyond human beings or as some principle or law which man is bound to badly misunderstands the identity of God. And so I I mention that because sometimes people who have personal encounters or personal experiences with God, they sometimes get looked down on by the more intellectually minded Christians. Some highbrow types have even gone so far as to say, we can only know God through studying the Bible. And of course, studying the Bible is really good. It's very important and it should lead us to God and it will lead us to God. But God is a person and he's waiting to be known in all kinds of ways through the word, but also just through praying, just talking to God naturally as you would in any relationship. And, and in our spirit, we can, we can tune in, we can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We can encounter God through music and singing and prophecy. Like I said, we'll have some nights, we, we set that up a little more. And you can have some supernatural encounters with God. They, they, they don't have to be spectacular and dramatic, but, but they can be. And then other times they're more quiet and gentle and settled, but still very real. For example, in my life, You know, I've had many more of those quiet times I'm talking about when God is revealing himself to me, very real, very um, genuine, uh, authentic experiences of God in his presence. And occasionally I've, and, and, and we need to lean into those and appreciate, it, as I said, it doesn't have to be dramatic and you can build your relationship with him. But I've had some dramatic ones. I'll give you one example. Um, when I was a young Christian, I'd already been following the Lord for about five years, went to a, a traditional denominational church in Sydney. But then we heard about this new church and uh, the happy clappies. People were talking about this church down at DY and, and it wasn't all good. Some people were saying it's fantastic, but others were very concerned, very concerned. Uh, so so much so that people were warned not to go there well I was how old was I 19 or something you tell a 19 year old don't do something what are they going to do and so um, we uh, we thought well we better check this out some of my mates uh, and I went down with a mate and um, and it was next level you know, from what we had experienced, which there was nothing wrong with it, but our experience in church had been rather staid. Um, and uh, and they, these guys had a, what looked like a rock band going on and the place was pumping. The preacher wore contemporary clothes and spoke in a contemporary way. It was Phil Pringle. And he, you know, really has a great gift in communication. Uh, and, um, you know, he was 
bringing it. And, and, and so it was powerful, it was moving, and I sensed God's presence. I thought, this is not bad, because I had been warned. Like I said, some people said, it's great. I was, oh, you know, tongues of the devil, and they speak in tongues, and there's a little nerve at the back of the neck, and they make people fall over, and, you know, all these weird controversial talk that and uh, and I just thought God I know you I've been following you for five years this is not bad you know you can you know in your spirit you you get a sense don't you of whether something's weird or wrong or fake or that's right oh counterfeit gifts they were talking about oh the devil that's right one argument was so much that the gifts were counterfeit they were gifts but they were demonic gifts so they're basically saying all these people who purport to be Christians are either deluded deceived or deliberately deceiving others. And I just thought, I don't sense that here at all. They seem pretty genuine, especially that very attractive woman over there who was singing, but that's another story. But uh, that wasn't the first night. I didn't see Ruth the first night, which is good, because you don't want to go back just for the chicks, gentlemen. You know, um, you want to go for the presence of God. Uh, and that very first night, uh, they, and then they had what I didn't know we call an altar call, and they said, come out the front if you want prayer. And I think people were giving their lives to Christ, first-time commitment. But there was also just something said about, you know, you want more of God. Or you want, and I'm like, yes, I want more of God. I knew the Lord. I loved the Lord. I wanted more. In fact, we had, we had done, as a Christian leader in the church I was in, we had done camps for kids, high school kids, up here on the Central Coast. And we would do Bible study groups, and we'd have different subjects for our camps uh, for our Bible study groups and we'd take one and someone would say well I'll do for over the week every morning in our little Bible study group I'll do um, someone was saying well I'll do something on worship you know because they were a musician or I'll study the Psalms or I'll do and one of the subjects that was there was spiritual gifts and no one wanted it we ended up not doing it because no one understood and we had to admit I don't know anything about spiritual do you know I don't know and we we read the passage in Corinthians like what prophecy healing I, I don't know I'm out of here I don't know but you know but in this church which is now C3 church DY Christian center as it was they seemed to have the spiritual gifts moving and flowing and I went out the front this guy came and said do you know Jesus yes yes I know Jesus and, all right so you don't need to be saved no no what are you here for I just love God okay you want to worship God and you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit I'm like I don't know what that is but it sounds good so bring it on and he said well just worship the Lord yeah go on. just worship the Lord. he said now keep worshiping the, worshiping the Lord but don't use English I'm like well that's the only language I got what do you mean and then he says oh just let it come from your spirit and the next minute I'm hearing this weird language of tongues that I'm speaking and worshiping God with and I sensed the presence of God in such a dramatic way. And I remember standing there thinking, God, I will never doubt you. I will never leave you. I will never backslide. I'm with you. If I never experience this again for the rest of my life, I know right now, Flip, you are real. This is, you know, really powerful. It's very dramatic. And, uh, and so then, oh, you know, I went back to the, the youth group that I was helping to lead in the more traditional church. And we started praying for the young kids and they're getting baptised in the Spirit. And then the minister heard about it and said, what's going on? Oh, well, you know, we believe this. Oh, I better teach a series on it. So he taught a series on He didn't like the word baptism at the time. They were using the word infilling because the Greek means it's a regular ongoing thing. So his doctrinal position was, as many in that church at the time, was, uh, look, we just get filled by the Spirit as we read the Bible. 
And we thought, well, I see it in the book of Acts, and I certainly experienced it. It was an experience subsequent to salvation. And so at that time, I ended up going overseas, left the youth group with other people leading it, and I realised I didn't want to work against the leadership of the church. So I ended up graciously leaving that church, joining the C3 movement, and God bless him, that minister ended up getting baptised in the Holy Spirit and leading a whole renewal movement within that denomination uh, of people who were understanding more about the ways of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and his action and move. So... Uh, anyway, there's a little bit of a, a, a picture of my background in case you'd heard it before, sorry. But um, anyway, it's important for us, uh, you know, to have, as I said, personal, private times with God that are most often probably going to be quiet, be still and know that I am God, the psalmist tells, tells us, and so it's good to be still. But there's also times when something might be more spectacular and supernatural and dramatic and also in a corporate environment we can experience God's presence as I said that's why we love to come together and we'll set up some of those prayer praise prophecy nights throughout the year because look walking with God has so many positives if you're walking closely with him I mean not only do you get to enjoy the best relationship you'll ever have as much as you know I'm married to a wonderful woman and she would probably say this more than I. Sometimes it just isn't the person that does it for you as far as meeting your deepest needs because that's codependency and it puts too much pressure on a relationship. And if you're a single person, you do well to build your relationship with God and then bring that as a healthy person <laughs> into a new relationship rather than looking for someone to lean on. And, and so it's the deepest, best relationship that we can ever have for ourselves and then of course it's going to produce in you the best version of yourself you'll ever be because the Holy Spirit's working on you and building and growing fruit and, and gifts and character in your life. You also get to glorify God because you will hopefully become more and more, you will become more and more like Jesus as you walk closely with him because you see that as married couples or friends they end up looking, talking, sounding. People with their dogs. What's with dogs? They just look like, have you noticed that? You see someone walking with a dog and, they, and this old bloke and he's sort of a tubby guy and he's got a little box of tubby dog, you know. And then you see this young kid and he's got a little frisky dog running around. The people look, is it only me? I'm sure it's a thing. But, but you know, we, so social osmosis occurs. People you hang out with affect, influence and affect you. You hang out with the Lord. Like Paul, he said, I, my quest, he says, is to be one with him in that passage we read. And so that is, that is becoming more Christ-like. Of course, you're going to be a blessing to others and to the world you're living in because you're not so focused on yourself. It's so easy to get selfish, circle the wagons, live just for yourself. But we are called to live out, to reach out, to consider people out in the community and the world around us in a hurting world. And, and when we walk closer to the Lord, we feel stirred to, to live that way, with that direction. And of course, you're going you know, to enjoy a, a more meaningful life and improved mental health as you grow closer to God. Proven by a recent Gallup poll, you may have read about this, they surveyed a whole bunch of people around the world throughout 2020 most people reported increased levels of stress, anxiety and depression. But regular churchgoers 
statistically recorded lower levels of those things and higher levels of contentment and well-being. Plus, here's a good one, you'll be able to fulfill, to fulfill your mission. You'll, you know, because a close relationship will, will help you get through all the challenges, all the difficulties that life brings rather than bailing out or burning up or backsliding as some people sadly do when the going gets tough. Because Paul's, let's face it, his relationship with God was the single biggest key to him fulfilling his mission, which was a big gig. He was given quite a, a load from God. And it's clear when you read the New Testament that he wasn't relying on his own intellect in any way to fulfill this mission, to do what God had called him to do. He didn't rely on his own abilities or other people or financial support or any other human or worldly resource, but he was always just on about his relationship with God. When I am weak, then I am strong. His grace is sufficient for me. I've learned the secret of being content in all situations. These are all words that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about his life, but also for our benefit, for an example, divinely inspired for us to see and, and learn from, yeah? And so Paul maintained this devotion, this heart after God, this passion, this determination to walk closely with the Holy Spirit, with the will of the Father, with his relationship with the Lord Jesus. And of course, he fulfilled his mission right to the end, rather than giving up when the times got tough. And tough times do come, and they come in all forms. For us, probably not quite the form that Paul faced with the pressure and the persecution that he had. I mean, he had, you know, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was, you know, driven out of town, he was eventually executed, uh, and you're unlikely to face that level of difficulty in your life and your Christian walk. But the principle is the same, that God can be and should be the number one key to help us be strong to get through whatever the world throws at us, yeah? And as they say, not just surviving, but thriving through the storms of life. And uh, as I mentioned, people are glad to see the back of 2020, but 2021, the calendar's ticked over and stuff is still going on that is, you know, challenging. Um, namely, ourselves. <laughs> people, you remember travel? Remember when people travelled overseas? Remember those days? And what would people say? Oh, I'm going to... I'm going somewhere to find myself or I'm going somewhere to leave my troubles behind. But of course, if you've ever travelled, even if you just go to Coffs Harbour or Venezuela, it doesn't matter where you go, you get off the plane, uh, who's there? You. <laughs> and you brought your problems with you. All those troubles didn't get left behind. They came with you because you're the biggest trouble. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I don't want to you know, rub it in, but you, yourself, your sin, your issues, your insecurities, you know, they come around with us and the only way to deal with them is by bringing them to the foot of the cross and saying, Lord Jesus, thank you. You've made it possible. Because, you know, I'm talking about a personal God. The greatest demonstration of how personal God is, is Jesus coming. We've just celebrated at Christmas the fact that he came, but we also reflect on the way he came and how humble is that? How down to earth, down to 
literally, literally down to earth and down with the people, mixing it with the people, born, chosen to be born into a middle-class, working-class, normal family in very humble circumstances, mixing it with an eclectic bunch of guys that he made his team. He didn't just go to the theology university and choose the cleverest or the best-looking or the... He just gathered, put up with all kinds of stuff, and, uh, and he just loved to meet and mix with people from all facets of life and, um, and just, you know, hung out with people, eating together, did his teaching in a very casual, informal way. And, uh, and of course, his, his walk right through to the cross, his sacrificial death, wow, that means reconciliation for us. A lot of talk of reconciliation these days, the, the number one form or kind of reconciliation we need is between us and God. And Jesus has made that possible, yeah? Bringing us into a relationship with God as our Father and with Jesus as our Lord. And so uh, let me just read one more time these words, verse 9 and 10, but this time from the Passion Version, Paul writing again, and he says, My passion is to be consumed with him. That's the Lord Jesus. I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. Well, I pray that that will be your passion and your pursuit in 2021. Amen. May we we all continue to seek God, to enjoy his presence, his person, his power, and, uh, and not just in our lives for our sake, but so that we can be representatives, representatives of him in the world around. Yeah? Come on, let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.